This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 35, recorded December 15th, 2010. What does it mean to be a Christian? Or, sleep deprived ineptitude. Welcome to Prayer Room Companion. I am your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I am the incredibly goofy Father Andrew Dickinson. So, Father, uh, let's not talk about the weather. Let's talk about the time. <laughs> or something like sleep okay we have to explain what probably is going to be a disaster of a podcast because father's day job his his day being uh not his day job it's who he is not just what he does um has been uh intruding upon podcast preparatory i need another p word here uh podcast preparatory Positions, sure. Positive. So, <laughs> Father, what's been going on here? What, what, what's we're recording on Wednesday, December fifteenth. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday, December fifteenth. What does that mean for your typical SDSU student in Brookings? Well, for the typical SDSU student in Brookings, South Dakota, they are currently in the midst of final exams. And so that means for a Newman Center chaplain, that means that you're, you're, that, yes, that you so, have nothing to do because it's finals week and they're they're all cramming. So you get to sleep in and just relax, right? It's luxurious. <laughs> uh, actually, we just tried to give them a little extra TLC uh, during this week, uh, just uh, uh, and try to give of ourselves in a certain way uh, to make them uh, sure they're comfortable and happy and. Uh, Comforted, you know, because I, I, a priest's mission really is to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. And this week is a little more of the comforting of the afflicted. Absolutely. So uh, Monday night, I was up late because we had a late night pancake breakfast. But I still got up on Tuesday for the normal 7.30 a.m. holy hour for the people that were expecting that. And, uh, and then last night, there's some students that wanted to have a late night uh, holy hour and uh, some things like that. So... And then I got up this morning because we had men's holy hour at 6.30 a.m. And so uh, Father Andrew has not had a lot of sleep children and uh, has a nice full day ahead of him again as well. And so uh, I'm really interested, actually, quite uh, frankly, to see what it'll be like. I'm supposed to hear confessions from my confirmation students out in white tonight. And after two hours of confession I'll have here today... Uh, from 12 to 1 and 4.15 to 5.15. I'm just curious what my confession uh, will be like on white because I'll, I'll probably be uh, handing out uh, half Hail Mary penances for um, <laughs> some others. I'll be so goofy. <laughs> yeah. the uh, one, one possible title already for this podcast is Punch Drunk Love, but we'll see how it goes and we'll go from there. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> we, we wish you well, Father, in terms of getting some rest before too long. Um, I'd say welcome to fatherhood, but, you know, that, that'd be a cheap. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Um, so, Father and I were talking, we talked briefly, uh, as we, we tried to do before we start recording, um, about what to talk about, and, and, and we thought that uh, there's, a, there's a book that Father's reading right now, um, and that, that I've, I've read myself, and, and the content there of which we thought would be appropriate, um, particularly, again, we're still in the midst of the Advent season, um, coming down to it, we just celebrated... Um, Gaudete Sunday. Father, did you have your rosacea vestments in full bloom? 
I don't own uh, rosé vestments. Father. For vis-a-vis ergo concordantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's one right there. That, 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 ladies and gentlemen, I am chalking up to lack of sleep. Vis-a-vis ergo concordantly. That, there like was that. no gloom. Yes. Um, no rosacea vestments for Father on Sunday. So anyway, we, we just celebrated the third Sunday of Advent. Father, what book are you reading for Advent? What's this book? I'm reading uh, a book called What It Means to Be a Christian, because quite frankly, I have no clue. No, well, no, no time like the present to figure that out. Exactly. Uh, uh, it's, uh, it's a book, actually, uh, it's a series of sermons about Advent preached by a young uh, theology professor back in the 1960s uh, over in Europe. And they're really just quite a fascinating uh, series of homilies, reflections uh, from the middle part of Advent. Okay. So, is there any particular reason? <laughs> um, is this being, control yourself, man? Would, would this be somebody we we know, perhaps? Um, oh, you might have heard of him. Uh, his name is Joseph Ratzinger. Oh, jo- Joseph Ratzinger, Ratzinger, Belgian, Belgian theologian. Uh, actually, he's from Luxembourg. <laughs> Lichtenstein, Lichtenstein, I thought. No, I mean, let's get smaller yet. Lichtenstein wasn't he a philosopher? Uh, no, <laughs> no, no. Yes, uh, Ratzinger, as in Pope Benedict, as in I asked Father when we were talking about this. I love this book. If Father loves this book, but I said we've been talking a lot about Ratzinger, Pope Benedict lately. Um, so Father evidently was trying to go incognito mode and uh, <laughs> discuss the book without referencing the uh, author at all. But dear listener, um, I, I, I'm not afraid that you will turn off the podcast at this point. If you're still <laughs> listening now, you, <laughs> I, I'm sure that you'll be with us for the duration. Um, so, this book, yeah, and, uh, you're right, Father. I had forgotten initially when we were first starting to talk about it, uh, when we first pro- you first proposed looking at it for today, um, that, it, yeah, it, Advent meditations that he gave uh, as you mentioned when he was a young uh, theology professor. But so it's certainly fitting to first to talk about it at this time. Um, and I know we talked, both talked about some particular themes that we, uh, we found as interesting. And, and we talked about how the, the one that was most, that most what struck me comes early. So do you want me to go first? And then because it flows better to, to give you the floor after that, or do you want to talk about your section uh, to begin with? Mm, I think we'll go with yours. Okay. So, uh, as Father said, this is th- these are three uh, meditations um, that Father Ratzinger, now Pope Benedict, gave. Um, and just so you know, and, and this book is certainly, and Father and I are both reading a, a, a reprint of it. Ignatius Press published this book or republished this book um, in 2005. Uh, no, uh, 2006 is the English. This, the five and the six look awfully, uh, awfully similar. Yes, yes, they do. Wow, thank you. Apparently, my, uh, my drowsiness is catching. Jeez, uh, be careful, listeners. Do not listen to this podcast when operating heavy machinery or an automobile. <laughs> you may be overcome by drowsiness. Oh boy. So anyway, 2006. Although that uh, probably should go standard on most of our podcasts. That it probably would be a good idea. That you're right. It should. The, the standard disclaimer. Um, so three sermons, the fir- and I'm just going to give the titles. Um, Are We Saved? Or Job Talks with God. That's the title of the first, the first sermon. Um, the second sermon, Faith as Service. And the third sermon, Above All, Love. 
And the one that I, that I remembered in particular, or the content of which I remembered, uh, is is from the second sermon, "Faith as Service." And what uh, what the, I'm going to refer to him as the Holy Father, even though he wrote this book obviously before he was pope. What the Holy Father does um, starts off with this question again. This is in the '60s. Uh, so right around the time of Vatican II, I think. I think nineteen sixty-five. Okay, so after, well, if he's preaching this in Advent in nineteen sixty-five, the Council just concluded uh, December eighth. Right. Exactly. Uh, so the the whole question of of what it means to be Catholic, Vatican II was uh, well, not so much what it means to be Catholic, but how do we live our faith in the modern world in a way that maybe will will be more inviting and attractive to the modern world is really one way you can summarize the theme of the council. And and, and for Joseph Ratzinger um, at the time, uh, I, I see in this book a number of the themes from the council coming through. So one of them, I think, and one of the questions the council raises um, comes to the fore in the second chapter, where he starts off starts off with the whole question of the salvation of other people, you know, and, and because people were talking about that then, and certainly the, the church teaches and has always taught that you don't need to formally be Catholic to to go to heaven, um, and and he starts. It, it, yes, it does. I mean, that would be a good one to talk about sometime. Uh, in what sense, um, outside the church, there's no salvation? That's a that's a, still a formal church teaching. What does that mean, and how do we understand uh, the church's teaching at that point? That would be a good podcast sometime, but not today. Uh, so Ratzinger talks about raises this question, and you know we don't see people baptizing the the, the the rush to baptize and preach to the to the pagans as we did, for instance, in the 16th century with Saint Francis Xavier, the great Jesuit missionary who went to Asia and he's going on about you know this, this so how can people be saved but then he he has this great thing um, he sort of turns it and he says um, yet if we are honest we will have to admit that this is not our problem at all in other words how can other people can other people be saved how can other people be saved the question we have to face is not that of whether other other people can be saved and how we are convinced that God is able to do this with or without our theories, with or without our perspicacity, perspicacity, and that we do not need to help him do it with our cogitations. The question that really troubles us is not in the least concerned with whether and how God managed to save others. The question that torments, torments us is, much rather, that of why it is still actually necessary for us to carry out the whole ministry of the Christian faith. Why, if there's so many other ways to heaven and to salvation, should it still be demanded of us that we bear day by day the whole burden of ecclesiastical dogma and ecclesiastical ethics? And going on from there, and I'm gonna. There's another uh, sentence I want to quote in a bit, but I love that question, and this is something I told Father. I said to Father to you before we recorded. Um, just the fact that he raises that question and he raises it as strongly as he does, as pointedly as he does. If it's possible to be saved without being Catholic, then why do we bear day by day the whole burden of ecclesiastical dogma and ecclesiastical ethics? I love that question because I think that's that's underneath for at least a lot of Catholics, their approach to the faith. Um, I, I just put up with this because it helps me get to heaven. Well, if you don't have to be Catholic, then why put up with it? Uh, I think it's a question that a lot of Catholics either consciously have or more more often the case, subconsciously have, because when I'm talking with a lot of adult Catholics, at least, 
I, I sort of see that question that more that question deeper behind the other questions they ask. Why do I have to put up if, if why do we have to do this? If I don't need to do this stuff to get to heaven, why do it? Do, do you see that um, in in your priestly life ever, Father? I definitely do. I, I think that's that always becomes kind of the hanging question. Um, and it's, it's beautiful the way that he exposes it um, because I think he exposes that we often raise this question as a concern about others. Yeah. You know, I mean, what do I do for them? But at the same time, he exposes the fact that for us, most of us, just in the reality of sinful humanity and not to make, you know, that can in some ways making an exception or a case against anyone. And he certainly isn't here. But just, I think it's that reality that that becomes the lingering question in our heart is, well, then why do I have to? Right. Why? I mean, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so what I love is he, he goes on uh, t- to put it, the question for him, that is, what actually is the Christian reality? The real substance of Christianity that goes beyond mere moralism. What is that special thing in Christianity that it only justifies, but compels us to be and live as Christians? So the, the first question, what, what does it mean to be Christian? What is the substance of Christianity that goes beyond mere moralism? So moralism in this context, um, in, in case it's a term that's unfamiliar to, to our listeners, uh, I think some t- there are different ways that we reduce our faith, that we make things that aren't the centrality of Christianity the center. And, and that way we, we reduce what it means to be Christian. I think one common way that we reduce, that, that we're tempted to reduce our faith, to make it n- n- not about... Um, Jesus Christ, which is the, he is the center, but to make it about moral moralism that is how we live and how we act now certainly morality flows from our faith, but the center of what we are as Catholics is not what do I have to do what what is it what, what's a sin what's a virtue those those things those questions are crucial and important but not the center of how we believe and how we live. Sometimes though, and this is what he's saying here, and it's a common theme throughout his writings, we reduce our faith to moralism where it's just about our actions uh, and the way we live. Um, and, and so that's the first thing, Father, that that before getting to the second question even, that he makes that point that Christianity, the implicit there is it's, about, it's more than just morality. It's more than just the commandments or even the virtues. And I think the beauty of him exposing that is that it raises to mind that for most Christians, most uh, as, we, as we read that, what is our day-to-day reality, our day-to-day understanding of why I de- identify myself as Christian, as Catholic? Uh, what, is the, what is the purpose? What is the fruit of it? Uh, to what am I aiming towards in that identification? Uh, it's something I've actually been talking about uh, in some of my own Advent homilies uh, a little less noble than his uh, here, but just about uh, uh, what am I seeking to receive from our Lord? What am I seeking to receive from our Lord in this Christmas uh, season? Am I using Advent to awaken my heart to the reality of uh, my need for his power, his might, his goodness, his beauty, his truth? And I think there's just the way as just making, what am I seeking to receive? I mean, that, that's, that's our fundamental posture, not what do I have to do? Right. Because that's that moralism. You know, that, um, I, I don't remember where it comes from, but it's, it's, it's been a cliche that I like to try and make almost ad nauseum for the students here. 
but that the Christian faith isn't about what we do for God, but, but about what God has done for us. Absolutely. And so here, Pope Benedict, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, Father Ratzinger, Dr. Ratzinger is, uh, is exposing that reality through this question that's very heavy on the hearts and minds of many people. And certainly, we are called to make a response to the gifts that God, make a response to the gifts that God gives us, beginning with faith, hope, and love, and going on from there. But it doesn't begin there. Uh, and as, right. and that's, as you said, that's what he's uncovering. And I think that the way that you put it, you, you were just saying the way you've been putting your homilies. I think it's at the same thing. Well, so I think that, that, go to uh, and just maybe one final scriptural notion that way would be First uh, John, I believe, four ten. Uh, love consists not in what we have done for, uh, not that we have loved God but that he first loved us and gave up his son for us absolutely yeah he makes the initiative and he always has literally uh, the other question then that he had said uh, what is that special thing in Christianity that it only justifies but compels us to be and live as Christians uh, and, and again so so to be a Christian to be a Catholic um, it's something that I feel the way it ought to be is I can't but not be a Christian. I, I feel compelled. I remember, I'm reminded here of, of St. Paul's language, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. How he just, he felt the inner compulsion. He had to share the gospel. That's how it's supposed to be for us with living our faith. It's not, well, I have to be Catholic. No, no, no. I, I want to be Catholic. I, I'm compelled, not from without, but from within. Uh, the, the gift of grace that, and the other gifts that God has given to me. I have this need to be Catholic, not not imposed upon me, but rising up within me. And I think uh, in there, it is, it's funny, we, we talk about in that sense, um, I, I encounter, you know, that the poverty in this flavor that isn't present, I encounter that very often in souls in confession. You know, souls will come into confession and they'll mention about... Um, not being uh, not attending Sunday Mass and I'll usually ask you know why and you, know, you get something like well it wasn't a priority or got lost in the schedule or this or that and it's very clear that uh, it's just one other thing in the weekend or one other thing in the day um, instead of being that primary opportunity uh, for uh, uh, for encountering the life of grace yeah. I think um, just in, in that same section you're reading from um you know, he as he explicates that that notion in the hearts of questioners a little more. He says, uh, uh, "We are assuming that spiritual unemployment, if you will, a life without prayer or faith, the spiritual unemployment, that we we can assume that that life is more pleasant than a life of spiritual service, or spiritual employment, oh. and that sort of attitude, that sort of outlook." you know, uh, is very different from the notion of Paul's, you know, woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, I'm compelled. There's this, this motivation that comes from the fact that uh, I've seen what I've received. I can't help but respond to what I've received. Absolutely. And so, and I think that uh, comes into a, something that I wanted to talk about in terms of, uh, as he, uh, in one of the, the later sermons, the, the third of the three sermons, begins to talk about uh, the gift of Christian love and the life of the imitation of Christian love. Uh, the third sermon, oddly enough, is called, Above All Love. Above All Love. And it's in this sermon that he goes into a little bit into, uh, after he's posed the question, 
in that second sermon, uh, you know, why do we believe? What is this essence? What is this interior reality of uh, Christianity? He poses his answer. And that his answer is, it is the imitation of the love of Jesus Christ. Um, trying to find my, uh, my right quote there. But uh, it's actually very beautifully how he moves to this. You know, he, he, he poses the question. You can see just, this is one of the reasons I love and could talk about any of his books all the time because he moves in such an orderly fashion. Yeah, he does. And in such a teacherly fashion, he identifies what's going on in the hearts of the students and he moves to present an answer. Um, and so he, uh, in this um, third sermon, he starts out with this whole uh, historical uh, circumstance of how um, uh, there's a story in, in Judaism in Jesus' own time uh, that a pagan came to one of the great uh, rabbis, uh, Rabbi Shimei, and asked him, uh, he said, I, I'll be willing to become Jewish if you can explain for me in one sentence uh, uh, the beliefs or uh, the beliefs of Judaism in the time uh, someone could stand on one leg. You know, uh, this is, I guess, a story in some of the rabbinical literature in Jesus' day. And so Rabbi Shimei, you know, thinks and thinks about everything, thinks about the Torah, the Pentateuch, uh, all these things, and all the commentary on it and things like that. Uh, and, you know, says to himself, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, and so he went to the head of another school, Rabbi Hillel, uh, with the same request. And uh, Rabbi Hillel says, uh, apparently says to him, whatever is offensive to yourself, do not do that to your neighbor. That is the whole law. Everything else is interpretation. And the funny thing about that is we kind of see that question in the Gospels already when uh, some of the rabbis stood before Jesus and say, you know, what must I do to achieve salvation? Mm-hmm. Right? What must I do to achieve salvation? That great question. Um, or, you know, what is, the, what is the greatest commandment in the law? You know, Jesus responds, this is Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you should love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And then you can put your other foot down because you just talked about the heart of the faith on one foot. That was a joke. <laughs> Dry joke. Bad joke. <laughs> Fail. Uh, so, um, in this way, um, Christ speaks about uh, uh, judgment. Right, we think, we think about the great parable of the judgment, especially Matthew twenty-five. You know, and when what's what's the basis of judgment there? You know, those who loved me and loving the poor, the hungry, the homeless, the naked. Um, you know, that you did to the least of my brothers, that you should do unto me. He's not looking for a confession of dogma, but about love. Um, and so, love in this sense really becomes the content of being Christian. But then we also have to we have to ask that question: What sort of love should it be? You know, what is the measure of that love? Um, I'm rambling to get to get into my points, and I apologize. I should just jump right to the point. But that's what you get for doing a podcast with someone on nine hours of sleep in two days. Don't. Woe is me. But actually, here's the really comforting part, uh, and uh, especially in my uh, uh, sleep-deprived ineptitude. There we go. Good uh, word. There's a title for your podcast. <laughs> Sleep the private aptitude. aptitude. <laughs> um, so 
Here's, here's where uh, Father Ratzinger, His Holiness, gets the point. For love, as it is here portrayed as the content of being a Christian, demands that we try to live as God lives. Demands that we try to live as God lives. This is the content of love. He loves us not because we are especially good, particularly virtuous, or of any great merit. Not because we are useful or even necessary to him. He loves us not because we are good, but because he is good. Right. He loves us although we have nothing to offer him. He loves us even in the ragged raiment of the prodigal son, who is no longer wearing anything lovable. So this is, this is that measure of the love of God, is that the love of God isn't based upon anything that we do, but it's based upon who he is in and of himself. Who he is in and of himself. And that we're to emulate that same love. Uh, for, well, first we're to receive that love from God for us and know it and be called ever deeper into it. And then to return that love to God by returning it uh, also to others. Mm. Um, so to love, to, li- to love in the Christian sense means trying to follow in this path. Not just loving someone we like, who pleases us, who suits us. And certainly not just someone who has something to offer us. Practicing Christian love in the same way as Christ means that we are good to someone who needs our kindness even if we don't like him. It means committing ourselves to the way of Jesus Christ and thus bringing about something like a Copernican revolution in our own lives. So you've no doubt heard that sort of thing probably many times before what was it about whether it, what he said or how he said it that that struck you in a particular way because this is the this is the theme that really you know stuck out in your mind when we talked about doing the podcast so what is it about what he says or how he says it that that struck you in a particular way i i think for me just the evangelical reality of it of um the radical dependence upon god that uh, this is the measure of the love of God. The measure of the love of God is not uh, my own ability, but uh, which is which is so limited. But the fact that I can first receive His love, His particular and specific love for me, uh, which just blows me away. And the more that I live my Christian and Catholic life, even with its obligations that we might talk about in that second sermon. Um, and that we even joked about at the beginning of the podcast, just my obligations and priests of life, welcome to fatherhood. Right. Um, but that he, um, but that still at the same time, the love of God is revealed uh, to me in this life and that it is absolutely amazing. And it's, it's, it's not by my merit. It's not what I do, but it's right. by him. And it's almost cliche, you know, we talk about unconditional, loving other people unconditionally. But that's truly, frankly, I don't think we can, I don't think it's possible to overstate it. I think every time we state it, we're understating it. That's how God loves us. Right. Uh, Because we... Yeah, because we're not good or as good as we ought to be. Because we are sinful and and, and we do ugly things. Um, every one of us, at least who's an adult, um, does this. And, and yet, God loves us because that's His nature. Uh, he can't not love us. Uh, not not to deny His free. It's that's who He is. I mean, it, He that's he who He chooses us. to be. That's who He chooses to be. That, that despite our own failings, our own sins, He still loves us more, literally more than we can possibly imagine. Yeah. 
you know, I get people out of people's cases for saying things, using the term literally when they don't mean it. I'm literally carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not literally doing But in this case, it's God loves us literally more than we can possibly imagine. And, right. and, and this is, you know, you, you, so you're reading this during Advent. It's, these times, to me, it's a great time to, to read this sort of thing and, and to allow ourselves to be struck by that. Because as people who are certainly, you know, we in Catholics in America in the broad sense are familiar with the basic layout of, of the Christian faith. And you and I certainly are, are more familiar, but we still need to, to give pause to allow ourselves those, those opportunities to let these truths sort of hit us uh, in a particular way. Right. Uh, and because and it's only in the particular that this sort of great mystery becomes known. Uh, which is what we're really celebrating at Christmas time is that uh, this this great mysterious love of God is made particular and concrete and solid in the cradle of Bethlehem and on the streets of Nazareth and on the wood of the cross and in the tomb. Um, and but that's but that's the only way we can understand this mystery is in those concrete particular ways. Right. In the same way too, the only way that we can express it is in those concrete particular ways. Right. Yeah. That this is, this is how, I mean, this is for, I think just for us as human beings, this is how we understand things, making it in a sense, tangible, um, not literally tangible in this case. Uh, but, but as you said, co- making it concrete in particular, um, that enables us to some degree to map our, wrap our minds uh, around the, the mysteries that we are, that we're celebrating. Um, there was something else in there as, as you were going through that I thought of, but it's escaping me right now. In term, the other thing that, that I, the one thing I was thinking of that I, that I recall, um, so you're, you're reading this during Advent, uh, and I, I, not to put you on, are you doing this during Holy Hour, or is this more recreational reading, out of curiosity? Uh, holy Hour, Holy Hour. So, uh, th- that time, I mean, you're spending, the, you're reading this in the context of prayer, literally, again, before the Lord mm-hmm. present in the Eucharist, and, and making time, and just, you know, this is one of the things that continually I need to hear and remember, um, making time for prayer where it's not that spiritual activism where I'm saying my prayers, and then I'm check, 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 but allowing, again, re- receiving. What does God have to say to me today? Um, I, I, I think I mentioned last week, maybe, Father, a couple weeks ago, for Advent, I'm reading um, his... his uh, Document on Scripture in the life and mission of the Church, um, and I've just been reading. Actually, just I think yesterday and even this morning, um, talking about praying Scripture, and he refers to the early Church theologian um, Origen, who talks about how uh, really to understand Scripture, you, it's more than just doing Bible study. It's really about loving Christ, um, and that happens in part through prayer. And this, the, nece- the necessity, what am I trying to say? You know, we're, today is the 15th of Advent, um, so we're coming down to it in terms of getting close to the Christmas season. And I, I certainly haven't done as much spiritual preparation as I ought to have, um, but there's still time, obviously. I still have time to, to, to deepen my spiritual preparation for the mystery of Christmas, which for me, I think uh, the key there is to deepen my prayer life uh, and be more, even more intentional about my prayer life as we approach the, the the mystery of the celebration of Christmas so that I can come to understand 
the love that is God and what he what he has to say to me and, and, and so doing so I can love others even more as I'm called to right I think very much so and I think that's that's the opportunity of every advent in that way and it's interesting because then that also fulfills the uh, the three aspects of um, the three the three uh, arrivals of Christ uh, in that sense because it prepares us to contemplate his first arrival at uh, at Bethlehem where the unconditional unfathomable love of God became particular so we might have a better understanding of it it prepares your heart to be receptive to the, uh, that final coming of Christ and to prepare it and aiming for that final coming of Christ that will come whether at your death or if you live until the final judgment um, and then the, uh, those third coming, those third arrivals of Christ uh, in the midst of your day, uh, whether in the distressing disguise of the poor, in the sacraments, or just in your daily vocation. Right. I think, and that third way is, is definitely. I mean, who knows? the second coming could happen any time, but it may not. And certainly, He is coming to us, to eat, to me, to you, uh, now, somewhere, and to be awake and attentive to to that coming. Yeah. Very good. Well, Father, I think uh, I think you made it through, um, and and I, along with you, uh, for the, another highly successful podcast episode. It's been good. Yes. So we will uh, we will be as the norm, just with uh, the way things get on the on, on the line on the web on on the podcast feed. It'll probably be actually the fourth week of Advent when the listener you'll be hearing this. Uh, but we are going to be recording on December twenty second. Uh, we'll take the Wednesday after Christmas off, but there there will be another episode that Father and I will at least will be getting, getting recorded uh, next week. So in the meantime, have a blessed Advent. Uh, Father, hope you're able to get some sleep. (laughs) All right. God bless you. Take care, everybody. God bless.